0: Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Elland. The Multiple Sclerosis Foundation estimates that about two and a half million people around the world have MS. It is most commonly diagnosed in people between the ages of 20 and 40, and more women than men have the disease, which was surprising to me because of all the people we've interviewed, Corey, who've had MS, it's been men. We haven't interviewed a mm-hmm. woman who's had That's MS. correct. You're right. And as many people who listen to this program are aware, MS rates are higher the farther you live from the equator, with the highest rates occurring in North America and Europe. And joining us today to talk about his MS and the use of cannabis is Chris Riley from Wales. Chris, it's very good of you to do this and spread the message. We very much appreciate it.
1: Hi, guys. It's no problem at all. Good morning to you.
0: Now, what were the first signs of MS that you noticed?
1: The first signs I actually noticed, um, I used to cycle quite a lot, hundreds of miles every week. And I used to fall off my bike. I was losing my balance. But what really did it for me, I was crossing the road one day. And I don't know if your listeners are aware, but sometimes when you cross the road, a car will stop and you sort of run a little, you sort of do that few steps running just to move quicker
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I couldn't run. My, I, I, my mind was telling my body to run and I was frozen in the street and that was the first real stage of me going to the doctors and saying there's something wrong.
0: What did you think when that happened to you? What did you think was wrong?
1: I'd suffered from kidney stones um, a couple of years before and I'd been in and out of hospital a couple of times with severe pain um i'd been going back to the doctor saying look things aren't right things aren't right and he'd said oh it's kidney stones so for about a year period i knew things weren't right um with because you know your own body and they they just put it down to kidney stones which is fair enough but that point where i couldn't run i got so scared i was like no it's not kidney stones you need to send me for some tests um, on the NHS, that would be. Uh, they said it would be between eight months and a year waiting list. Um, so I paid privately to go because I wasn't waiting around because my health was deteriorating. Funnily enough, I went to a private clinic, but I got my scans, my MRI scans, done through the National Health Service. Um, They did it on their days off, but you pay for the privilege. But I didn't mind because I got my diagnosis within a couple of months instead of having to wait over a year.
0: And what was the diagnosis?
1: My diagnosis was primary progressive multiple sclerosis.
0: Now, I've heard of MS. What what does it mean by primary progressive MS?
1: Okay, the two... To simplify, the the two major types initially of MS are primary progressive, which is what I've got. So that means there's no cure, there's no treatment, there's no way to slow the progression of the um, disease. The secondary is relapse remitting. Relapse remitting is where people have an episode so they'll display symptoms but then they completely relapse and it might be months years between relapses where as my disease progresses any symptoms that i get i am stuck with pretty much so
0: yes primary progressive is me to me means that you're on a downhill slide whereas the other one sometimes your symptoms can be alleviated uh, even for months at a time, but yours cannot. Do I have that right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's no, um, there's no let up from my symptoms once they appear. Um, I'm stuck with them, unfortunately.
2: Chris, when you were going through that waiting period of uh, waiting to find out what was wrong with you, did MS ever cross your mind?
1: Um. No, do you know, it didn't really, because when I first went for my test, people started talking about um, motor neuron disease. I think you guys call it ALS. Oh, yes. And that's a death sentence, because there's no, th- th- there's nothing for that either. I think MLS is what um, Stephen Hawking has. So he's um, abnormal, I guess, because he's lived so long. Uh, motor neuron disease is a is a life sentence. Um, so I was quite scared that I had that. So MS really didn't figure into it until I got my diagnosis. And then it was a case of, right, okay, I've got MS. Now what do I do? Because the health service in this country, although it's it's free at the point of uh, access, because primary progressive MS, there's nothing they can do. There's no there's no treatment, there's no medication, so you're pretty much given a diagnosis and cast off into the world with the um, provider that you can give them a call if things get worse.
2: And I guess if things get worse, there's really not anything they can do anyway.
1: No, they can prescribe you a cocktail cabinet full of drugs that will treat your side effects, but unfortunately... Those medications that they'll give you to treat side effects have horrendous side effects themselves. And I wasn't prepared to put my body through that. Why should I? So I started um, researching and looking for an alternative. And medicinal cannabis, do you know what, came top of the list in pretty much every survey I read to do with MS.
0: At what point after your diagnosis did you give cannabis a try?
1: I would say within a month, to be perfectly honest. I had been a therapeutic user in the past over the years, um, but I've sort of dipped in and out of it, the same as you do with alcohol. I suppose it was just a, a social user. So I'd say I got in contact with some really close friends, and it was probably, yeah, within a month, within four weeks.
0: I think it was interesting what you said. You dipped in and out of it over, over the years. And I think those of us who are of a certain age, well, maybe that's not the case, but those of us who look at cannabis and marijuana tend to think of it as a recreational drug until an illness strikes us. And then we start to look at it as medicine.
1: Would you? Absolutely. Absolutely, 100. percent I mean, <clears throat> the the the, um, the therapeutic or recreational use of mar- marijuana, cannabis, has been we've been force fed the propaganda, and it sinks in with a lot of people. And I guess because you get force fed that propaganda of reefer madness, you you associate it with um, recreational use and and not medicinal. I I really didn't know about the medicinal benefits of cannabis until I became unwell. So, yeah, you're absolutely right.
0: When you started taking cannabis, in what form were you taking it?
1: Uh, I started smoking it um, because that's, at the start of my journey, that was all I really knew what to do. Um, So I smoked it.
0: Did you notice any... uh, effects within uh days or weeks
1: oh almost um almost immediately i i was getting really bad spasticity in my legs and for me it's in the top of top of my legs and what that feels like is it feels like you've done a marathon so your muscles ache but then you get drunk and walk onto a ship so your balance is impacted as well and the pain is unbearable to be perfectly honest and with cannabis the pain subsided almost immediately it, do, it never goes away I, I i want to make your listeners aware that the pain never leaves me but it numbs it to a point where i can get on and do things
0: are you in a wheelchair chris
1: i don't have a wheel i, I have a wheelchair i in fact i have two wheelchairs and a mobility scooter but i um I'm able to walk very, very short distances using um, a walking pole. So if it gets too painful some days, I go. I use my wheelchair.
2: You know, Chris, I think when people hear about somebody diagnosed with MS, I, I think they're aware to a certain extent that it, it, it affects muscles, etc. But I don't know if they're fully aware of all the symptoms, um, myself included. I'm just looking at uh, what you sent us. And you know some of the things that go along with the MS is anxiety and depression, pain, yeah. obviously, spasticity, yeah. insomnia, yeah. lack of appetite, fatigue, bowel and bladder problems, cognitive functioning. You know that's that's a, a real uh, puree of uh, symptoms.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's the disease that keeps on giving. I mean, it's yeah. if it's not one thing, it's it's another thing, and and. As you can imagine, with all, those, um, with all those symptoms, and that's just a few of the symptoms I get, um, they're happy, or I say they, the, the, the uh, medical profession in this country, are happy to give me a separate pill to treat each one of those symptoms. Um, so you can imagine the amount of pharmaceutical medication that I would be on if I chose to go down that road.
2: How do you uh, use cannabis these days? Are you just
1: smoking it? Do you do oil? Do you do edibles? I use edibles, absolutely. I um, vape it, and sometimes I uh, use dabs, which are a great way of getting the cannabinoids into your system very, very, very fast because it's you're just vaporizing the oil, basically, um, which is a great way to to start the day. Um it, it, the pain in the morning after being in bed for sort of two or three, four hours is horrendous, absolutely horrendous. It's it's beyond description, really.
0: Chris, do you ever have a solid night's sleep?
1: If I get myself a really heavy Indica um, strain, I can possibly, the most I'll sleep is for... 5 hours tops um but I've learned with my MS to listen to my body so fatigue is one of the biggest um the biggest things to combat so what I try and do is if I'm fatigued and I feel tired I'll sleep doesn't matter what time of the day it is so some some days I'll sleep 0 hours and some days I might sleep in total 14 hours 15 hours so it all depends
0: you know, your story reminds me of a fellow we interviewed in Ontario who was in a wheelchair. He was paralyzed from MS, from the neck down. Yeah. And he went out with some friends, and they were smoking a joint, and one of his friends says, why don't you try this? He tried it, he smoked it, and he said almost instantly he could feel relief.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean...
0: That's the same as you, right? Right.
1: Yeah, it is absolutely the case. I mean, since I've become a a medicinal cannabis patient, I've I've researched it and researched it and researched it because there was no one else left to research it but me because the medical profession didn't have the answers. Um, And... The stories that you read and that you hear and that you speak to people with MS that say, actually, cannabis works. I can't believe it. No one told me about this. Why didn't they tell me? Um, And I guess that's that's part of what I'm doing now is trying to spread the word and the awareness that it's not a cure-all. I don't subscribe to the school of thought that says this will cure everything. I don't believe that. But I do believe for many, many people, try it. And see if it works for you. Don't don't write it off. Just give it a go.
2: You know, Chris, uh, I have a friend who who has MS, and um, I I of course started taking cannabis oil for my cancer back in the day, and yeah. um, she pretty much disowned me, and now she's using cannabis, um, but didn't want me to know. And the the, the difference, the difference it's made in her life, she had um, gotten to the point that she was in a wheelchair and living in a home, and now she lives independently, and she's out of that wheelchair, and she looks fabulous. Absolutely. You know, she does a combination, I believe, of uh, edibles, edibles and uh, some capsules with stuff, and not necessarily cannabis oil per se, but... um, the, the change that it's made to her life is amazing.
1: It happens so much. And not knowing your friend, but I guess she won't, she won't put herself in a position where she, you'd go around there and say, oh, I told you so. But yeah. what, people realize, what people realize is people involved with cannabis won't ever do that. No. They'll be, they'll be supportive and they'll be interested to find out about your story because that story can help others. And I guess that's fundamentally what you guys are doing. You're spreading the word. Exactly.
2: And, and so many people don't want to spread the word. So, you know, yourself, you, you came to us. I'll tell my story, which yeah. we need to do to get this out there.
1: Absolutely. I'm, through my um, activism, I sort of took my activism to the next level. I was very much in the closet and I was very guarded about my cannabis use because of the illegality of it in this country and the persecution. But it got to a point where my health and my well-being was more important than worrying about a politician's decision to criminalize me. So I, I found a group called the United Patients Alliance um, and I joined them. Basically, we're a group of patients, four patients, and we're there to try and lobby politicians to get cannabis legalized in the uk for medicinal use um i hear stories on a daily basis of people saying please can you get me oil my son or my daughter or my husband or my wife has got cancer where can i get oil where can i get this where can i get that and i feel helpless because of the government's position on prohibition i can't say to these people go and get this oil there are very Don't get me wrong, there are many, many people that provide a great service in getting people cannabis oil, um, but it's illegal, so we can't talk about it. So I can't give people advice, which it it breaks my heart.
0: Chris, is there any discussion at the political level in the UK about making cannabis legal, at least for medical purposes?
1: (laughs) Interesting you should say this. We've got a general election coming up. The only party that doesn't have a stance on uh, medicinal cannabis is the Tories. They are digging their heels in saying it's Schedule 1 drug, no medicinal value, while allowing GW Pharmaceuticals to grow cannabis to make medicine. So it, it, it's not it's not about patient's health. It's about politics, and it's about money.
2: The almighty so dollar.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's about who who makes the bucks. I mean, just to give you an example, I've done some of my own sort of research, and Sativex costs the NHS about six hundred pounds. I'm not sure what that is in uh, Canadian dollars for one gram. Um,
0: it's probably about nine eight hundred and fifty dollars.
1: Okay, yep. so nearly a thousand dollars for one for one gram of this cannabis whereas somebody that grows it themselves could grow the same amount for one gram uh, for about less than $2.
0: I take the view that when governments say it has no medicinal value, what they mean to say it has no corporate value.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's what it's all
0: about. It's about corporations who supply money, who lobby governments on their behalf.
1: Absolutely, GW Pharmaceuticals that grow cannabis under licence in the UK for medicine, which makes you think: well, if the government maintain there's no medicinal value, why are they giving them a licence to grow it for medicine? And this is in a country that we have prohibition, so cannabis is a Schedule One drug, and all GW Pharmaceuticals do is take the drug, take the cannabis, make a tincture, add some peppermint flavoring and bottle it and that's all they do so something's got to change it's got to
0: chris how if it has your ms uh how is your ms today compared to it was when you were first diagnosed
1: it's um it's horrendous to be perfectly honest. I didn't. I ran out of my medication um, a couple of months ago, and it was the first time that I'd really experienced my MS without cannabis in three years, and it was awful. I couldn't. I didn't leave the house for a fortnight. I couldn't get up and down the stairs. I was pretty much confined to the downstairs of the house. I was. I, I can't explain it. It was just awful. All the symptoms that I say that I've displayed sort of came back at once, and they were magnified by about fifty. It was it, it was awful. It was absolutely awful. I went to my doctor, my my GP, and he uh, he knows all about my cannabis use. He he's fully aware of it, and I went to him. And he just looked at me and he said, you haven't got any cannabis, have you? And I was like, no. And he was like, what What do you want from me? And I was like, I don't want anything, Griff, but I just wanted to come and show you how it is so you've got a better understanding. And he's firmly, firmly behind me, 100%. Um, every medic I come into contact with, I disclose my cannabis use, although some medics still maintain the party political line of it has no medicinal value sorry it's ridiculous. I despair.
2: was your doctor always supportive was he supportive right out the gate?
1: Uh, initially he was um he wouldn't he wouldn't he wouldn't make a judgment one way or the other. I felt it was uh, it was the right thing to do in in um, telling him because I was refusing the prescription drugs that he was offering me, mm-hmm. and obviously it's important to talk about what you're using as an alternate because he might've thought, well, do you know what? This guy's not taking pharmaceuticals, so there's not really anything wrong with him. Um, it's a really, really tricky situation, but he's always said to me, I don't need to see you regularly, but will you, will you come and see me once a month just so we can talk? And I was like, absolutely I will. And it's got to a point where he's asked me for advice. Um, So it's definitely a a two-way learning. I have time invested in in me, and using everything I have at my disposal to research that, it's a benefit to him. And one of his colleagues actually phoned me one day and said, Chris, I've got um, a medical student coming in. Would you come and speak to her about ms and cannabis i'm like absolutely i will absolutely i will
0: well you have a very progressive doctor
1: he's progressive in the sense that he talks to me about it and he probably talks to his colleagues but i don't actually know what his stance would be if it were made legal and i'm sure he would prescribe it for me um but his hands are tied
0: well, you're absolutely right because doctors are in a very untenable position, particularly in a jurisdiction where cannabis is legal, both recreationally and medically, because they don't want the College of Physicians and Surgeons coming down on them, saying that what they're doing is illegal and taking their license away.
1: Absolutely, but in the same stroke of a pen, he could provide he could prescribe Sativex. Um, so. I have to understand the the position that they find themselves in because they're educated, well-read people. They constantly top up their knowledge so they can see the ridiculousness as well. And it, 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 it has to change. There are doctors now across the world which is so good to see coming out and saying, cannabis does work for this, here's the evidence, here's the proof. It's up to governments whether they look at it and, and take it on board. Unfortunately, the UK government just put their heads in the sand and ignore it.
0: Chris, what impact has MS had on you psychologically?
1: I think psychologically is the, the biggest thing that I've had to deal with, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, was, I, I served in the military for nine years. I was always... Quite active, I loved cycling I, I cycled a hundred miles a week um, i live I live on the coast, so we were always at the beach psychologically having ms it stops me doing those things, and people say, "Well, you can go outside it 's not the same. just sitting outside isn 't the same as being able to go for a swim in the sea it 's not the same as being able to go for a walk on the beach." psychologically i mourn the loss of my old self and i get daily reminders of things i'm limited to do now that i things that i can't do and that just that just takes me back to when i could do them and it's it's a distressing upsetting horrible horrible position even though i'm comfortable with my diagnosis i'm comfortable with my ms because i think you have to be able to treat yourself But psychologically those little uh glimpses into the past just chip away and it's it's soul destroying, to be honest. It's it's awful and it's very lonely because it's very introspective. Um and my wife looks at me and she's like "Mm, what do I say? What do I do? She can't she knows when it's going on and it's it's horrible, 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 horrible. I I yeah, I don't, I, don't, I really don't have the words to describe how bad it is.
0: From what you're telling me, I sense that you feel as though you're now a spectator in life, as opposed to a participant in life.
1: To a certain extent, I yeah, I don't actually have to have to, have to agree with that I'm. Life isn't passing me by because I live that constant pain, so I'm fully aware of every minute of every day that I'm awake. But yeah, I don't, I don't do maybe ten percent of the things that I used to love and do. I, I, and that's like I said, one of the worst things to combat.
0: Chris, if you hadn't been taking cannabis, in what physical state do you think you'd be in today?
1: Oh, I think I'd be bedridden, and uh, I think I'd be bedridden and and using a wheelchair. If I was going out, I wouldn't be able to do. I know for a fact that I wouldn't be able to drive. Um, I tried. It's something I probably should have mentioned. Um, When I chose to go down the route of medicinal cannabis, I tried some of the drugs that they prescribed, and they just left me in a drug-induced coma. The first time I took these pills, I slept for, I think Beth said it was almost three days. Um, I just sort of woke up to go to the toilet and maybe have a drink, and that was it for three days. I don't really remember. And after that, that was when I was like, yeah, no, I'm not taking these anymore. Sorry. I'll uh, I'll try my luck with cannabis.
2: So in a typical day, Chris, how often would you be using cannabis?
1: There isn't really a typical day, to be perfectly honest. Um, when I wake up in the mornings the first thing I do when I come downstairs is I medicate with cannabis. Depending on how that works, I might have to medicate some more or I might not, but I have my daytime strains and my nighttime strains. And I have strains that I use specifically when the pain gets intolerable. Um, Because people talk about CBD and CBD cures this, but I, I, for me personally, it's the thc in combination with the cbd that relieves my pain Mm -hmm. um i don't know whether that's the neurological side of the disease but it's a really important factor into my uh cannabis use um as far as using it per day i it depends like i said wake up in the morning have a couple of hits. I might not. I need to medicate again till midday in the afternoon. But I might need to medicate every thirty minutes, um, which can be problematic if you want to go out. So it's a vicious circle.
0: Chris, are MS groups becoming more aware of the medicinal value of cannabis in helping with this affliction?
1: No. <laughs> The brief experience that I've had with MS groups hasn't been positive. Um, There is a lot of misinformation uh, that's spread around about the use of cannabis. If you look at the major MS charities in the UK, it will have one or two lines or maybe half a paragraph about cannabis, and it'll only say cannabis can be shown to help some ms patients this and the other but that's it because they skirt over it um with ms support groups i found it really difficult to talk about cannabis openly for example there was a group that started in wales recently and they called themselves cannabis for ms in wales and i thought great let's get behind this i can bring my activism and my uh national journal my national activism to a local level um but they wouldn't talk about cannabis use and it's like well please talk about it the more we talk about it the more normal it becomes the more normal it becomes the more likely it is we're going to get it legalized so it's fear of persecution and prosecution that stops people I believe. I'm um, from uh, straying off the party political line because it, it's about money because if doctors say cannabis works, drug companies aren't going to pay them anymore.
0: Given the illegality of cannabis in the UK, is it how difficult is it to obtain cannabis?
1: For me, not difficult at all because I move in... That cannabis community mm-hmm. um, but for recreational uh, recreational users or therapeutic users, if you will, it's not hard. you can everybody know somebody. it's I think it's the most commonly used drug in this country so it's it's not difficult at all you you've only got to walk down the street and you know what it's like when you're around cannabis you smell cannabis and you can smell it from miles you get you get to catch it on the wind and you can smell it so it's illegal but it's not uncommon it's not uncommon at all but the the thing that i struggle with is that Drug dealers aren't in it for patients' health. They're in it to make money. And however they do that, whether that's through cannabis farms or lacing cannabis with uh, synthetic cannabis, we have a huge problem in this country with what they call SPICE, which is synthetic uh, cannabinoids, Um, and that's killing people.
0: Yeah, it's very dangerous stuff.
1: It's very dangerous, but unscrupulous dealers are mixing bags of weed with... Uh, with this, because to the untrained eye and people that don't know about cannabis, I mean, for example, the, the first bag of cannabis I bought when I was back in my teens was just a bag of trim with seeds in it. But I, I thought that was great.
2: Um, <laughs> That's bringing back memories.
1: <laughs> there, there you go, you see, it's like so, someone gives you a bang bang with a few bits of trim in it and seeds and leaves, and you go and roll it up and you smoke it. All those that's stems.
2: The,
1: yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the highest you've ever been. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, um, I tell you, we're known for our cannabis here in British Columbia.
1: Yes, I know, I know. I see it all the time. It drives me mad.
0: <laughs> well, Chris, uh, for the very first time in my life, uh, I'm going to try and grow some this year. Excellent! Well done, you. And uh, I'm pu- I'll put it in a vacuum-sealed bag and mail you some.
1: Oh, do you know what? Brilliant! <laughs> there's nothing like there's nothing like uh, a bit of British Columbia. I should imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I, I, I guess you you guys. I mean, sorry to go off point, uh, and I know this is about me, but you guys must have seen the whole range of legalization and prohibition and in canada i mean it seems to have been an upward battle for you guys but things seem to have settled down which is good
0: well canada is going to legalize <coughs> recreational uh, marijuana on july 1st of next year which is canada day oh brilliant <laughs> but uh, you can only grow four plants per household not four plants per person four plants per household and you have to be 18 years of age, I believe, to consume it. You're allowed to have 30 grams on your possession. Uh, but providing cannabis to a minor still has a maximum prison sentence of 14 years. Good. But as someone said to Corey and I when we were sharing a beer one day, someone from the States who lives in a legal state, and yeah. uh, i was complaining about uh, about this and he said just be happy that you've got it and you can move,
2: yeah. forward. Can move from
0: forward from there. There. yeah but at, least, at um, least we've
2: got something
1: absolutely i guess you you have you have a starting point and everybody thinks that as soon as cannabis is made legal activists just go oh well, there you go that's our job done no it's not it's about getting the best deal for the citizens of your country and the whole giving it to a minor i guess that comes becomes difficult when you're treating your children with cannabis oil because yeah. you're giving your minor cannabis or is it, is that uh, is that not considered do, do people that treat their children are they not are they not going to be um, subject to that law?
0: Well, that makes the, you raise a very good point. One of the issues that has not been forthcoming from either the federal government or the provinces who will undertake the regulations is that the regulations surrounding the legalization of cannabis recreationally have not been released yet, so we don't know.
1: Oh, okay, because I, I i watched uh, I watched the Justin Trudeau uh, interview. It was live on one of the channels of last week, Yeah. Um, and uh, he was saying that the the states will still be, although the states will be allowed to make their own laws concerning cannabis, medical patients will still be allowed to order it online, um, which I thought was good. Uh,
2: The stuff online is crap. Yeah. But,
1: yeah, that uh, that opens up the whole new argument that can you trust your supplies online, I guess. The only way – I advocate grow your own, but I know so many thousands of people that won't do it because of fear of persecution. It's ridiculous. I mean, there's tribes and peoples all over the world that treat themselves with the local medication that they have in nature. They, they know what to use it for and we just, we've just we become sterile as a Western civilization that y- you get sick, you go to the doctor, he gives you a pill and that'll fix it and that's not the case as we know.
0: Chris, in conclusion, is there anything you'd like to say?
1: <clears throat> oh, there's lots of things but I'll, I'll keep it quite short. <laughs> um, I'm quite passionate. But maybe that doesn't come across. I mean, what I would say to your listeners and I say this to everyone, if you think about cannabis, do your research, educate yourself. It's not a miracle cure, but there are many, many, many good people on the planet that will point you in the right direction. Do your research, make sure it's the right choice for you, and join an organization like ours, the United Patients Alliance. You can get us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Our website is upalliance.org. Come get some information. Join our discussion groups. But please, please don't leave it until it's the last resort. It shouldn't be that way. Please don't leave it until it's too late.
0: Very well said. Chris, a pleasure to talk to you. Great to meet you. Thanks very much.
1: That's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
2: Thanks so much, Chris. Very much appreciated.
1: That's no problem at all. Thanks, Gary. And hopefully I'll uh, get to meet you guys one day and we can sit down and medicate together.
0: Absolutely. Sounds okay. good. <laughs> Thank you. It
1: sounds good to me. All right. Take care both. Take care.
0: And that concludes another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. If you'd like to tell your story about the medical use of cannabis, then send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website CannabisHealthRadio.com and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go
2: to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this
0: show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.